It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van And welcome to Car Con Carne. I'm sharing the screen. I'm recording this from home. Uh, doing this remotely i'm sharing the screen with two members a mere fraction of the collective known as diplomats of solid sound i'm james van osel i'm joined by doug roberson and forrest forrest h forrest h of diplomats of Husingfeld. yeah i was gonna i was gonna give you the microphone i'm using and all my band royalties if you pronounce my name correctly unfortunately yeah you only get one shot uh it's forrest Husingfeld. Husingfeld, I think is how it's pronounced, but yes. I'm not positive because I don't speak Dutch. Dipl Diplomats of Solid Sound, the, the ambassadors of funk and soul from Iowa City. Uh, they bring the funk, they bring the soul. This right here is coming out. We're recording this on the 20th. On Wednesday the 20th, we are mere days away from its official formal release. It is the brand new EP. It is, as, the, as it says, the live EP, which... Uh, pretty much says it all it is what it is it is a live ep and we're going to talk about that before we get to the live ep gentlemen uh, when i hear your band i think this is a group of people who probably have the coolest record collections ever am i off base talk to doug about that man he's got thousands take it away doug yeah i mean for sure i mean record collecting is possibly the only idea you ever get to finding the sounds that live in your head. And so you peruse, chase, do what you need to do, and then you try to not necessarily ape the idea but take the idea, transform it, and then put it into a song. It's not that easy to do, but if you try hard, you can. What impresses me, a lot impresses me about Diplomats of Solid Sound, is that you have nine members, uh, and you all come from the same approach you all the, the same your kindred spirits and to me for the kind of sound you create for that music that is steeped in that kind of 60s r&b and funk and soul that you could find that many kindred spirits who want to create the same kind of music which arguably isn't fashionable in the modern day it's not part of you know it's not topping the charts but you found people who are kindred spirits who want to make this kind of music in iowa no less yeah it was completely um you know, happenstance, really. I mean, like, when my last band, the Bent Scepters, kind of ended, the drummer and I tried to figure out an idea like, well, what should we do now? And so we were big fans of Booker T and the MGs, Jimmy Smith, some other sort of soul jazz things. It's like, oh, maybe we should try and go in that angle, you know, without trying to be rock. Mm -hmm. And 
we did that semi successfully for like you know quite a few years you know our own releases our estrus records releases and then we did a few shows with sarah cram singing and we thought that maybe adding some singers might make us more popular <laughs> and of course sure enough it did sure enough so and I'm glad you kind of set up your origin story, so to speak, because every interview, every performance is a chance to introduce yourself for the first time to someone. Your music does sound, it's fascinating. I can listen to it and say, yes, Diplomats of Solid Sound, they released this live EP in 2022. I could play it for someone else and tell them it was recorded in 1968. They'd say, oh, okay. Yeah. It has that yeah. kind of timeless. Possibly. Yeah, and this this type of music is timeless. And not only that, but everybody loves it. For instance, you play some James Brown or some Booker T to a five-year-old, and they have you know no reference of what music right. should sound like or anything. And I guarantee, because I do this all the time as a somebody that teaches lessons all all day, they start moving and they feel it. Now, I don't have anything against Mozart or Beethoven or any you know classical composers that don't have a drum beat happening. But if you play that for a five-year-old, your standard five-year-old, you're not going to get a response out of them in general. And wherever we play, whatever circumstance we play in, you get some kind of response. You know, everybody might not love it, but nobody's going to hate it and just be like, this music sucks. You know, yeah, we're never going to hear that. For sure. Um, furthermore, as far as, you know, being able to play this record for people and then have them not know whether this is created in the 60s or whether it is current in 2022, uh, with this live album that comes out on April 22nd. Um, Friday. Yeah, we recorded on a vintage Neve console that was originally housed at the magic shop which is an iconic record uh they did a lot of iconic records in new york city yeah it's a it's an iconic you know recording studio in new york city i think the stones did some stuff there david bowie's last album was recorded on there the grand piano was bowie's grand piano all the microphones they were all there for decades and so the gear that we that we recorded this on is all you know legit vintage gear it sounds beautiful it has that warmth yes. and when you put this stuff on vinyl it sounds like it could be a multi-million dollar studio from 1973 or whenever so that's that's kind of the beauty of it and yeah we're, we're fortunate that we all are sort of into this weird old school stuff i love it I, i'm a sucker a for it town. yeah and, and you said it too i mean this this is something that just screams to be heard on vinyl if, if for no other reason to add to Doug's collection. Yes, exactly. There it is. For, the, for those who are not watching, who are just listening to the podcast, yes, Forrest is sitting in his natural habitat. He's surrounded by his drum kit, which I, I'm assuming you're just in front of, like, or in behind 24-7. This is just yeah. who you are. This yeah, pretty it. much. I eat, I eat lunch, dinner, breakfast, if I'm lucky enough to have it back here. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, this is where it all goes down. He makes his living teaching people how to play the drums. It's a fantastic idea. I wish I could do that with a guitar, but 
I don't have the patience to go like, you're not playing the E minor correctly, you know? Yeah, or, there's a lot of like, that. But, you know, there is a, there's a lot of that. But Doug and I have both, actually, when we first started getting to know each other, we were both working at a music venue in Iowa City called Gabe's. And we both worked at a bunch of venues and bartended and everything. So, Doug, whenever I think, you know, I'm tired of teaching little Billy how to hold a freaking drumstick correctly and I get frustrated by it, I just remember all the times that people have thrown up on us or clogged <laughs> the toilets or, you know, we had to throw out some giant obese redneck because he's yelling racial slurs at somebody else. You, you know, and then no I think drink, man, man, come on. Right. Serve me I'm, no drink. I, <laughs> like, no. We we all miss the live music experience so much during the pandemic. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so you know, I, I think about that and it's like, okay, this is all right. This is okay. Yeah, I can I can teach right. a little Billy how to do things correctly. <laughs> and, and because you're an instructor and because you're patient, you're probably the right person to kind of be the the voice of common reason when you get that many people on the road together doing shows. Yeah, and this, this crew is pretty pretty good. I mean, they're they're all you know smart, talented people that generally have have their lives together. So I think could, everybody <laughs> everybody in the band has a college BA, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, we were everybody thinking, in the band has one. Yeah, we were thinking about upping it to like a master's on the next master's? level. Like, oh, then you I have would to have fail. a master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in order to audition, you need to get provide a link to a LinkedIn profile, <laughs> or, or at least a paper copy of your CV and resume. Yep, yep, that's and right. And then you can plug in. Then you can rehearse with the band, but only right, then. right. <laughs> well, as far as the live show goes, and again, we'll talk about this EP. We'll talk about the music, but. Talking about feeling the music, talking about, you, you mentioned James Brown, just playing stuff and having people feel it. Yes, the recorded music is great, but for a band like yours, and I wouldn't say this about every band necessarily, but the live show really is a big part to understanding who you are and what you do, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it definitely is like, I mean, if you come to see a diplomat solid sound show and you can't leave without saying like well they're pretty goddamn good then obviously you like heavy metal nothing wrong you with know? that or or you like or, both. or or taylor swift you know i don't know you know there, there's a place for everyone at the table but yeah. to your point you, you can't walk out of a diplomat show and, and not yeah go like think it's crap yeah you can't and it's if good. you're not if you're not sweating walking out of a diplomat show you're, you've done it all wrong you haven't tried hard right that's, and that's right. the kind of show you, you go home and you want to incinerate your clothes afterwards because they're just steeped in sweat <laughs> you want to leave them by the front door and, and take a, a nice cleansing silkwood shower because you you've worked it out that's right that's how, how you know when you've done it correctly that's exactly right and, and unfortunately you know during the pandemic we were not able to play at all. Right. It's been over two and a half years since we've played together. It was two and a half years since we were even in the same room until a rehearsal that we had a couple of weeks ago because wow. we saw these dates coming up and we thought, you know what? We should probably get together once and, you know, dust it off a little bit. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, with this releasing this live album in a couple of days and, uh, having these shows coming up it'll kind of reinvigorate 
us as well as you know the crowd that's well, into us. I think the rehearsals themselves really did a good job of like going like, yeah, you know, we still got this, mm-hmm. even though we're getting a bit old, well, especially <laughs> me. But I mean, like, the rehearsals were tight and enthusiastic, and um, I don't know. I mean, look out. Everybody was it's in gonna good kick spirits. Ass. Yeah. Everybody was happy to see each other uh, after two and a half years of, of nothing. Because yeah. you know? after I, a I week, bet. if we're on the road for a week, we're happy to see anybody or anything other than each other. Sure. But given that the world just ended for a like and continued ending for like two years with this pandemic, we were all kind of, you know, we're in good spirits. So, yeah, I, bet. I agree. And again, Give as it far a couple, as... Give it a couple couple more months yeah. and give it a couple months and we'll be back to the old us. <laughs> Pravdafest at Sketchbook in Skokie, which is depending on the time of day, 15 minutes from Chicago, 30. Depends on when you're going. Uh June 25th. It is the slugs. I never thought I'd say that. The service, OMG, the handcuffs, and this band right here, Diplomats of Solid Sound. The new release, the live EP, comes out on Friday the 22nd. No overdubs, no editing. That, that's that's a courageous move in the present day because you don't have to go that route. But... Yeah, and I, I think this is the first time that we're announcing this. We have video of all five of the songs of us recording it, and they will be released one by one. The first one comes out on Friday, April 22nd. And, and wait, what's the, are, you, are you doing it sequentially, or are you... Is there an order? It, to it's this? just sort of well, that's, it's determined by by Pravda what order. But we're gonna do the the first one. I guess we'll find out on Friday which one it is, uh, and then we're going to you know gradually release the other four. And so there's you know no question that and also the video just looks cool because it's in this old oh, rustic looking recording studio. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you captured that. Yeah, absolutely. We are too. And it's a headache, man, organizing nine people and two recording engineers and a record label and two cameramen with six cameras that all the batteries keep on dying. And, sure. you know, the bass player is hungry. And if he doesn't get food soon, he's going to kill somebody and uh-huh. all kinds of, you know, everything. And this was, we did this all hungover after like five days of shows, uh, you know, between here and Chicago and Des Moines. And so, but we pulled it off and it sounds good oh i can't wait to see i i've been saying since the pandemic started i'm surprised that there hasn't been a a video renaissance with music music videos performance videos just because that was the only way to communicate your art during the lockdown other than Mm -hmm. basic music i'm surprised that more artists aren't doing that i love that you're doing that with the live ep tracks yeah it would have been cool to put it out maybe a year ago or something but the timing wasn't right and you know (laughs) <laughs> We're all trying to survive at that point, but better a couple months late than never, I guess. So again, no overdubs or editing. That's that's a level of confidence that you don't see in a lot of musicians today. Uh, but this is the way music was recorded back in the day. You get, you get the band in the studio and just let them let them do their thing. Well, for sure, away. they they only had a certain amount of time that they could actually record their two songs for their 45. So, you know, you had to either be on top of it or then they would, the producer or 
engineers just go, that's good enough. Let's go. And that, you know, you're left with the mistakes. And sometimes some of those are okay. Yeah. Sometimes it adds a little soul, a little human element to it to have some mistakes in there. And but yeah, that's sure. exactly the approach that we took is we have this, you know, four hour, six hour window to go in, get our equipment set up, mic check everything, make sure everyone can hear each other in their headphones, and then bang out as many songs as we could in this window before all the batteries on the recording devices died and before we had to Actually, now that I think about it, the next morning we were playing on WGN Morning News in Chicago. Huh. And so we had like a firm deadline because that's an 8 a.m. gig. Uh -huh. We had yeah. a firm deadline. We needed to, to get out of the studio and then hit the road and then go crash at Ken Goodman's Pravda house and then wake up early and go, you know, play on TV eight, you know, 12 hours before we normally would play a gig. Usually it's, you know, 8 p.m., not 8 a.m. But yeah, so it was just in and out, and it turned out pretty well. I mean, I guess we'll see if anybody likes it. Well, know. well, I like it. I've heard it. I have it right here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> there are a couple songs uh, on the live EP from "What Goes Around Comes Around," which came out a little bit ago. Was was that a, a turning point for the band, or a, a moment, shall we say, that album? Uh we were. We were down one singer at that time because she had gone to Abby had gone to New Zealand to finish some graduate program for journalism. And so we only had two singers and we were just trying to do all the songs that we had at that time. We were experimenting a little bit and goes around, comes around, kind of has a little more Curtis Mayfield kind of, you know, psychedelic flavors uh, and some other songs on that record had some other sort of ideas, but it just, you know, try stuff. You well, know? you know what it has, Doug? It has B-O-O-G-A-L-O-O. That's what it has. And that is like kind of straight up sort of like Alvin Cash and the Barracudas kind of thing, which is, I think, a kind of, uh, I'm going to say I'm, I kind of stole that idea, but. That's one of those diplomats of solid sound, solid sound songs where if that doesn't get you moving. I yeah, give, I give up. I don't know what I don't know what to do. I, yeah, you toast. <laughs> I think that was actually the it was the NPR song of the day or song of the week. Yeah, or I think you're in right. Like, yeah, in 2012 or whenever that came out, because it was like it wasn't an Alvin Cash and that and and whatever his bands. He always changed the name of his band's name, but it was basically somewhat a tribute of his idea of these sort of like quasi soul get down songs that didn't have like a lead vocalist right mm -hmm. so you have like this like 
pattern that people could dance to, and then you'd have some female vocals. But that would be all there was to it. There wasn't like a narrative or a line or a chorus. It was just kind of a a get down, I guess is what I would call it. It was basically gang vocals. Yeah. A little bit of gang vocals and a little bit of like, just like something that would put people's asses on the dance floor. 100% 100% success, victory, did it. <laughs> so the songs on the live EP, Soul Connection, No Man, Come in My Kitchen, Dry Land, and Jealous. A, a nice cross-section of who you are, what you've done, and what you're able to do in this situation, live to tape. I, I love it. I, I Your sound is timeless and cool, and I, I hope people latch on to this. If they don't hear the songs in audio streaming form i hope they they find the videos and go from there because there's once you go down the rabbit hole with your band there's no coming back well the soul connection found for some odd reason on spotify and beyond any of our realizations any of our expectations there were certain artists that had like their playlists and then they would add that song to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Forrest has the actual figures of how many times it's been played. But it's had over 25 million streams, <laughs> to my knowledge. Yeah, it's, and it's, so, it's almost But to... that was not by our doing. That was by happenstance, luck, and the fact that's a goddamn good song. That's it. Well, in, in marketing, I think we call that earned media. You, <laughs> right. You, you created good content and people did the work for you. That, that's okay. it. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah, it's up to 29 million streams right now just for that one song, which is just kind of crazy for this kind of small town band yeah. in Iowa. Our, our other one is like, you know, what is like... Um, Come into my kitchen has over a million, mm-hmm. but only over slightly over a million. Right. Like, and then all the rest are hundreds of thousands and, yeah, you know, hundreds of thousands good. every day. And it just kind of, uh, we kind of expect it to. But so connection, like it's... for like, that's just like for some odd reason connected with all these like. What do they call them? Like informers or influencers? You know, inf- influencers. And it took off. Yeah, and, it, and it's made me a lot of money. I mean, not like Jay Z money or, <laughs> you know, Jack White money, but it made me some money. I, I appreciate that. Maybe some Pablo Cruz money. <laughs> I don't know that one Pablo Cruz money. That one Pablo Cruz song was pretty good. It is. It's great. Are you kidding me? Love will find a way. That's it's a great one. All right. So the live EP is out Friday. You, you mentioned Pravda. You are playing the Pravda Fest. It's an all weekend long affair, the 24th and 25th at Sketchbook Brewing in Skokie. The night you're playing, it is the slugs, the service, the handcuffs, diplomats of solid sound. It's the 38th 
anniversary of Pravda. And as we know, the 38th is always the big one, no matter what we're talking about. 38th is the big, big anniversary year. Tell us about Pravda and what that label means and what it, what it means to you. I saw Ken Goodman's band, The Service, play at the Crow's Nest in Iowa City when I was still in college, maybe 1985. And those guys rocked. I mean, they had a lead singer, they had a keyboard player, they had a bass player, they had a guitar player and a drummer. And back then, you didn't see that much shit in Iowa City. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you were lucky to see some bands from Minneapolis, <laughs> from Chicago, every once in a while. And I would go see them, and they'd be playing like a Wednesday night. But this is pre-internet. This is pre-college radio, even. I mean, this is just random-ass bullshit, you know? And... There were these guys rocking the stage. And, you know, I eventually, like, went to an after-hours party with with them and got to meet Ken and, and Rick Mosier, and we just talked and hung out, you know, and, like, you know, ideally trying to screw some of the girls that were at the after party. <laughs> but, you know... Whether we did or not, it doesn't really matter. But the connection I made with him was that he was starting a label. And this was like 1985, 1984, somewhere in that realm. And then he eventually put out one of my band's very first records in that era, 1986, The Shy Strangers. He was very helpful in trying to make rock happen in a level that no one really knew what that meant, but he was trying to do it. And that was super cool. And so he's always had my back and I've always been a fan and, huge friend of Ken Goodman's and uh, the amount of times I've been drunk and ridiculous with him at South by Southwest over the years, uh, you know, or in Chicago, hard to say, but the man's always kept it, get kept it together, mm -hmm. whether I have or not. That's a different question. See, it's so funny. I grew up in Chicago and my perception of indie labels is so different from what the reality is. I grew up in a city where Pravda had a record store. Wax Tracks had a record store. Yeah. I, I thought these labels were larger than life and they were to me. But I, you know, with, with the clarity of hindsight, I realized that was not the norm. Like that these mm -hmm. labels were able to build these communities and scenes and outlets as big as they did. And, and, Pravda to me was always a big deal. They put out those KTEL comps. I'm like, holy shit, this is. Yeah. Yeah. I had a band, Head Candy was on one of those KTEL. We did like a Rod Stewart song, I think Maggie May. Yeah. It was not that good. But <laughs> hey, regardless, they had a cool, they had a cool 
place. Is that the, hey, Doug, is that uh, the the one that wound up on MTV, like the with the music video, the head candy no, one? That was Head Candy's original. Okay, but Ken had a. I think one of the first prop record stores was in uh, adjacent to the Cabaret Metro in Chicago. Right. I mean, that was, had to be one of the best places you could possibly be to try For and sure. sell records, especially if they would do like the Cabaret Metro would do like all ages shows and they throw everybody out and they do like these late shows. I mean, mm-hmm. and the venue was fantastic for sure and of course if that's your only memory if you'd never returned to chicago and you came back to that neighborhood now you would recognize none of it none of it and metro is still there but i mean back then the the era you're talking about the pravda records era i mean wrigleyville was kind of sketchy like yeah you're right and now it's like is a ginger man still there it is, and that's yeah, that's part of the Metro Collective. It's the G Man, um, but now it's like it's like walking through Vegas. I mean, now that the Cubs are you know World Series champions or won a, won a World Series championship, all the all the retail and lifestyle stuff descended in that area. It's all super pricey. It is gone are the days of dive bars, and uh, it's very hipster, very uh, influencer friendly. To put it another way, Doug. Interesting. It's a very Instagrammable area. I remember farther down on Halstead, there would always be like these like resale shops and like some of those are rock shops oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, back in, way back in the day, for sure. All right, so I'm bearing the lead. The live EP comes out on Friday the 22nd. It's awesome. It's five songs. It is a, a perfect overview of what this band is what this band does diplomats of solid sound and i challenge not challenge i urge people to see for themselves because we talked about the live show being really essential to the experience with this band june 25th pravda fest at sketchbook the slugs the service and the handcuffs and diplomats of solid sound and since i'm talking about that weekend the night before it's josh caterer steve dawson hush drops and boom hank that right there that's a weekend that's pravda fest at Sketchbook in Skokie, and there will be a Pravda beer released in conjunction with the fest. Everything's coming up, Pravda. Hopefully it's not an IPA. I hope it's a stout. Doug has some issues with these microbrews that are coming through these days. Whatever happened to the good old-fashioned American Budweiser? (laughs) Right, Doug? (laughs) I like a lager or a stout, but don't give me an IPA, please. (laughs) He can hold it fairly well, though. He just doesn't. Is it the I, flavor, or what's the what's the what's the deal with that? It always tastes like it's unfinished, like like the brewers did their steps, but then they missed one step, <laughs> and it's like the step that makes it taste good. Now, I, I don't know what kind of beer this is going to be, but if I were Sketchbook, if I were Pravda. I might not go the stout route. If you're trying to get mass buy-in and appreciation, you might want to go with something a little less uh, niche. Uh, You're probably right. All the kids these days are drinking IPAs, it seems like. They are. And Ken seems like he's going, at least before the pandemic... Because uh, it tastes like weed, stuff and, man. It tastes he, like yeah. weed. And he was in he was in India. It seemed like every other week. So maybe it's going to be an IPA. If yeah. I if I if I had to bet on it, I'm going to say 
He has his but he has his buddy that's like is an old friend of his. I can't remember his name is Sharif or something. But his that guy's brother is like some global super rich magnet dude that has like his own airline or own private jets. I'm making so all the wrong friends. Like, hey man, I'll just go ride with you around the world. Yeah, we should try to convince him to start a record label, and then we can jump ship. Let's go from Pravda to this no, rich no, Indian no, no, dude no. whose name we don't know. <laughs> Pravda Fest, um, June 24th, June 25th. I cannot wait to see you and the rest of your collective gathered together. I think it's going to be a good time. Oh, my God. Oh, it's it's going to be a great time. Good. I mean, to see it's like summer. This... Like, th- this is a band you want to see in the summertime. Yeah. To see the service reunion will be interesting. To see the to slugs even reunion. To see the be slugs reunion would be super interesting. Those guys probably haven't played a show in like 30 years. Right. And there should be like protective barriers separating the brothers on stage. There might be. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to the handcuffs too. Oh yeah. Because I'm a I'm a Brad Elvis fan and I think they're playing right before us, so it's gonna yeah. kind of be weird. It, it, what, it, you know, it's having, going to be having a to play right after Brad. Interesting day. There's no yeah. doubt about that. It's gonna be awesome. All right, Doug Forrest, thank you for doing this. I can't wait to see you in June. Looking forward to Thank you, to man. It.